Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our, well, our second after show for Andor and uh, our, I guess, our fourth review technically for the fourth episode of Andor, which uh, clocks in at 50 minutes, the longest one of the season so far. And we've got Darian and uh, your co-host Blake joining us in the pod today. We're going to be breaking it down and getting into some Easter eggs and uh, explaining some things if you didn't understand, so stick around. We've also got some uh, some character appearances coming on the show. Bit of a surprise there, so let's get into it. Another happy landing. I gotta say, that intro is certainly less kind of boom in your face than the other ones we've had before. Um, although, I mean, Kenobi's also a bit more on the soft side of things, but uh, but this one's that really... Was, the, was, that the, was that the Blade Runner music you just played from the new Blade Runner movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I like it, but it's, it's different. It's different. De- definitely more like kind of like Space Age. Uh, but yeah, how are you guys doing? How would you how would you like uh, this new episode of episode episode four? I guess Vandor. I'll go then. <laughs> Just gonna let Darren go first, but all right. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I, I've honestly, I really love a slow burn, and I think some people are gonna find this is too slow. Uh, and I find the whole other than the third episode, the whole series has been pretty slow. But to me, that's that's more about the drama. I'm really tired of rushing to the next action scene, and that was probably my biggest issue with the sequel movies. So this like slow burn, kind of like let it let it simmer. This is where I'm at. I'm really liking this a lot, and I'm really liking the the really low key rebel stuff we're getting here in this new episode. I thought that was pretty cool. See every it, like seeing how we finally see how the rebels are getting funding. And mm-hmm. we're seeing how it was really hard to organize and everyone's always on edge and no one knows who to trust. That's exactly what it would have been like if like if this were like a real rebellion, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Darian, what do you like about this one? Yeah, so I wasn't on the last review, but I, I didn't love the first two episodes um, just because they felt a little bit slow and a little bit disconnected from the Star Wars universe, my opinion. 
But that's why I liked the fourth episode because it felt really connected to the Star Wars universe. Like we got tons of references. We got to see Coruscant, which looked great. Um, and it just set us up for like a really exciting, I think the next couple episodes, maybe we'll see a heist and um, yeah, I'm just excited for see where this series is going to go for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with all those things. Um, and a fun fact about this episode, which is called Aldani, uh, it's a new planet to us. We've never seen this planet before. And I believe this one was the one that was filmed in Scotland, uh, in the in the mountainous highlands. So, uh, you know, that was kind of neat to see. Scotland's never been seen as, as a location in Star Wars before. I know in Last Jedi they filmed in, was it Ireland or something like that? But, uh, you know, in the... Those, you know, for the Octo, like Luke's. Yeah, the islands, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I thought that was Scotland. I didn't realize that was Ireland. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's, there's like some new, some new scenery there. It's, it's kind of cool because we've never seen a planet quite like this before, right? Where it's very much, um, it's described in the episode that there's like shepherds and stuff that kind of walk around with their herds of probably alien cattle and whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was kind of a neat like biome that we've never been introduced to before in any of the films. So yeah, it's kind of neat. Um, uh, real quick, uh, we're going to have some characters here and there. I guess I shouldn't call them characters. I should say, uh, I should say, uh, uh, heroes of, of two sides of a, of a big clone war going on outside the skate pod. Right. I mean, you know, heck we're, we're flying through hyperspace right now. And, uh, you know, our, our transmissions are kind of being taken over every now and again, uh, so, uh, you know, <laughs> here comes one now, I guess. This is Anakin Skywalker calling in, and you're tuning into the best podcast in the galaxy, Star Wars Escape Pod. <laughs> Look at that, Anakin, right right on our podcast. I mean, wh- oh, wow. wh- what do you know? <laughs> I didn't know he was a fan. I know, he listens to probably like fighting in the war, you know, just needs something to listen to, so... Um, yeah, thanks again for calling in, Anakin, and, you know, if anyone listening at home, you're gonna, you're gonna, you can leave a voicemail... And uh, even possibly hear yourself on the podcast if we uh, end up deciding to play it. Uh, you can find the link to that in the description. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, share the show with a friend, and uh, leave us a really good review. So uh, let's get into it. Um, Andor notices something very curious about the ship that he's on uh, because we just kicked things right off from the ending of the last episode. And uh, it is the, is it, is it either the Fondor droid mod that's talking uh, or is it the hyperdrive jump? I couldn't quite understand what he was surprised at about. Point, at one point, it sounds like the computer is talking to itself. Like there's two AI in there. Yeah. Is that crazy? Uh, it was talking to him. It was, talk, it was talking to him, but I just, when, when, when Luthen launches into hyperspace, it just, to me, I was like, Oh, uh, like Andor says something about it. He's like, he's like, oh, I've never seen, never seen that before or something he says. And then I was like, oh, what, I wonder what he's surprised about. Is it the, the fact that it jumped really quickly or the fact that his ship kind of talks to him? Because we really haven't seen that before, right? Uh, we've seen droids on board a ship, but we've never quite seen like the ship talk back to its pilot. So uh, I thought that was kind of a neat little, little thing because uh, I think I pointed it out last week and this episode Andor sees it for the first time and he's like hey that's new and I was like yeah I thought so <laughs> so yeah um Luthen offers Andor the job to uh put the stick oh, in the eye of the before, before we move on yeah sure with the, with the AI thing because like when, to me that's something that would be very prequely but we never really see anything like that in the original trilogy yeah so as we found out where he he's on 
he's disguised and he's actually like a really wealthy store owner on Coruscant. It made a lot more sense. Right, right. Um, yeah, I uh, I guess that that that's another thing I really like about this character, uh, which we can get into in just a moment. Um, but I'm definitely going to bring that up because uh, it's it fits with this whole kind of genre of of series. Um, he offers Andor the job to put a stick in the eye of the Empire and get paid for it. And um, he kind of gives him this ultimatum in a way. He's like, well, you could kill me and take my ship and, you know, just fly off somewhere where you can take the job, which pays, you know, ridiculous amount of money. I think he said he offered like 200,000 credits or something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the job is to steal uh, the quarterly payment for an entire sector in Imperial space, which I was like, wow, that's... That's a lot of money, <laughs> you know, no wonder yeah, the uh, rebellion can fund itself. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I thought was pretty. I'm wondering uh, like who are they ripping off the, the money that goes to like the stormtroopers and stuff. Were they just working class people? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, um, yeah, it's possible that it could be just a vault in which they keep credits that they would normally use to pay their employees, like their, I don't know, their pilots, their, their ships or whatever. Like it's mentioned in this episode that, uh, that Aldani is, is a, is a planet that's far away from other planets to be a bit of a hassle, but just close enough that it's convenient. And it was, it was kind of put in a weird way, but I guess that means yeah. like, well, Maybe like, yeah, maybe it's useful enough that we keep kind of the riches, you know, a bit further away from like your average ordinary populated planet. Uh, but at the same time, it's close enough that we can, you know, get those shipments out to the, the right places at the right times kind of thing. Uh, so I guess in Imperial classic stupidity, they uh, they secure the, the garrison with only 40 people. Uh, so I was like, wow, that's... This very classic empire, you know, like not willing to to go out on a limb to even think that anyone would try and rob them, right? Like just how Andor put in the first episode, like, you know, they're all so so fat and like full of themselves that they can't imagine anyone like me would just walk into their house. And I was like, yeah, that's that lines up pretty well. Like, the, you know, we've seen it so many times in Star Wars Rebels where they just like walk in somewhere and frickin' take what oh, they yeah. want and leave, you know? It's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what's going on here, you know? You look like yeah. you're supposed to be there and no one will second guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Darian, you got any thoughts on this one? Yeah, just while we're talking about this whole scene when they're on the ship, do, is, do, what do you think the reason is he's not, like, Luthen so secret about his name? And, like, do you think Luthen is his real name? Like, or is that, like, his... Because he kind of, like, there's one point in the show where he puts on his wig and stuff and meets with Mon Mothma. Yeah. Um... Do you think, like, first of all, why do you think that is? And, like, do you think Luthen is his real name? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, he does have a last name as Luthen Rail, but, uh, it's possible that he came up with it. I mean, um, did he, he didn't go by Luthen in, in, oh no, he, he did go by Luthen in the shop, didn't he? Or, or did he go by a different name? I can't actually remember that. I didn't remember it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he gave a name, but. Maybe he did. Yeah, maybe it's like a fulcrum. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went as uh, as a fake name. I also thought it's been very suspicious that he knows a lot about Andor, including his father and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, it, it's possible that 
there might be a little more going on and then there, there might be kind of like a connection to maybe someone that we might be introduced to at some point. And I have a feeling that this is a show that we're going to get some sort of crazy cameo from, from some character uh, at some point, because it's right. a longer, it's a longer series and it's the kind of show that's right smack dab in the middle of this time frame that it could happen, you know? Well, yeah. we know that Ahsoka's involved with forming the rebellion, so it could be that. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is much farther after she gets involved too. So we know that she's kind of running around doing her thing, and she. I seemed like she was the one that was connecting all the cells. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible that she could totally show up and be like, "Hey, join this rebel cell now as well," because this whole episode is kind of the first episode to integrate and or into a rebel cell, and through that through that means we've now seen kind of the hierarchy of leadership. Like we've seen how Mon Mothma is kind of supplying the rebellion with funds. And we see how Luthen is like, or Luthien is, is, is kind of like, you know, doing his thing of, of uh, recruiting people and, and like um, pretty much paying out the rebel cells. Cause even he says like, well, I, I need money to, there, there's not enough food to go around, right? So he's kind of like responsible for ma- micromanaging like a lot of stuff, uh, right. while while being like a spy uh, on his own accord, right? Um, right. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on, and then and then he also integrates Andor into a rebel cell, which has its own leader, who she has her subordinates, but but I mean even she has like a someone that she reports to, and her subordinates don't know that person and. You know, so there's a lot of secrecy going on. It's not quite a rebellion that we know it to be later on where they straight up have like a logo and everything flying ships around, right? Like it's it's far. Right. It's not super far from that, but it's definitely far enough from that that it's not a thing yet. Like they're all working underground, super secret. Everyone only knows what they need to know kind of thing. And everyone's kind of mistrustful of one another all fighting for a unified cause. So there's something binding them together, but there's also a lot of mistrust going on. So, cause there's a lot of right. spies happening about, you know, even mom Moth was quite worried about that spies everywhere spies in the Senate, you know, right. her driver could be a spy, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that's like, got you thinking, right? Like who's watching, who's listening. So uh, that explains his like alter ego, I guess. Like it really probably wasn't for Mon Mothma. It was more. So if someone else was watching or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do, do you mind doing um, a quick rundown of Mon Mothma, where we've seen her? So I feel like you weren't going to do a what happened episode on her. Yeah, yeah, we totally were. And then uh, it ended up not happening. But I feel like after this whole Andor show finishes, then we'll definitely yeah. get to that. Because, a little more material. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's there's going to be a lot that happens in the show, which which you know, we'll, we'll be able to cover with, with Mon Mothma. But uh, the last time right. that we saw Mon Mothma, it was in in the deleted scenes for Revenge of the Sith. There was a whole subplot there with her and Bail Organa and uh, Padme and a couple of other senators where they were kind of talking about the activity within the Galactic Senate and uh, about the Chancellor's continuous sort of involvement with uh the military and the jedi and this and that and they're they're wondering whether or not they should be concerned about it and you know there was like a whole kind of cut out subplot that it, it was very cool like it was like it was like two whole sequences worth of footage that was just uh, chopped off and gone but um 
Yeah. But they really cut down Padme to a point where she just didn't do anything. Yeah, it's really a shame because, uh, you know, she's such a great character. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the casting for that role for Mon Mothma uh, was kept when they needed her to play um, in Rogue One. So when Disney did their Rogue One film, they actually cast the same actress, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly. And then uh, now for Andor, they've, you know, moved that along. And, you know, she's continuously played that character since the prequels, even though no one saw her in the prequels, which is kind of ironic. But, yeah, yeah, that's the last time we saw her, and we didn't see much of her. But we know that she's been a faithful friend to Bail Organa, to Padme. Um, I suspect she probably knows a little bit about Leia and um, her origins, her actual, you know, parentage kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, she, you know, there, she's definitely a character that it's been cool to see a lot more of her in the, even just in this one episode, we've seen her house, we've seen her husband, we've seen her involvement with the rebellion. Like it's been very, very cool, very enlightening to see that. So, um, uh, Andor has a really interesting little cameo verbally. He says that he was on Memban when he was 16 um, that's actually where Solo was in the yeah. uh, the sequence that kind of flashes through his younger years after he escapes Corellia. Um, that mud planet that he uh, meets Chewbacca for the first time, that was Mimpan. And it makes me yeah. wonder if he was there at the same time as as uh, as Andor, um, which I don't know if the time and frame lines up. I don't know what age he's supposed to be because he kind of looks old. He said he was 16 at the yeah. time. yeah. So yeah, I'm curious um, how long that war went on for. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he said that the Empire had them fighting themselves. So then who was the Empire? Like the side we see was Solo. Who were they fighting against? Was it... Because like, it's possible that Andor was actually on the opposing side of Solo, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of like a really funny, funny line in that movie when, when the Imperial officer is like giving his big speech and you know, we like, we must take out the invaders. And then like, like solo just kind of says like, is their planet We're the invaders? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah, like exactly. says it so casually, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, th- there's a lot of questions there. I feel like, I feel like this whole Mim Ban event could be uh, better told, I guess, in maybe a novel or something like that. Cause there seems to be a lot going on there, but um, yeah, I don't even know why there's so much fighting going on. Uh, It's definitely one of those stupid Imperial things. You know, it's like, let's just take over a planet and people fight back. And then there's like a huge bloody mess and. No, he's covered (laughs) up. Move on. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. It's kind of, kind of comical when you really think about it. Even like rebels, right. With the finale, they just like blow up the planet from space and then leave. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They glass it, right. They just destroy everything. Just shoot it with turbo lasers. Right. Right. Uh, we finally got a, a glimpse, like Darian said at the beginning, um, of Coruscant. Uh, it's been a little bit since we've uh, seen seen that planet. It's been a hot minute. Um, and um, uh, ISB, we see the in- Imperial Security Bureau, uh, the headquarters of that whole shebang. And uh, this is like a huge deal because we we've heard a lot about the ISB in in all the way back to New Hope. Yeah, yeah. Like it's been a long time since we've heard about the ISB. It's it pops up and everything like video games comics mm. novels everything 
Yeah, um, it just never really showed up in films, other than yeah. you like certain characters have uniforms that have been decided those are ISB. Right. Yeah, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe um, Anakin's old um, admiral uh, Wolf Ularin from the Clone Wars. He ends up becoming kind of the head honcho of the ISB if I'm not mistaken. So around that room in A New Hope, uh, he's actually the old guy with the white suit on. Um, and yeah. uh, in the Clone Wars, he was the he was the guy that had the narration voice, um, you know, every time that there was like a War! New... Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. Star Wars Escape Pod is the Republic's yeah. choice of podcast anywhere in the galaxy. Leave a stellar <laughs> review on TuneIn each week for more. <laughs> there he is. Man, you, look at that. He listens to the podcast too. Yeah. What do you know? <laughs> you just pay off a lot of these actors. <laughs> oh, man. I, <laughs> what are you talking about? Actors. They're out there, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it, it, yeah, that's him. So so we finally see kind of the main headquarters of that whole organization. And they're basically like the, the Empire's internal security uh, yeah. bureau. You know, uh, well, actually, yeah, that's exactly what it is—the ISP. But, um, but yeah, they, they, <laughs> but they, but they, they do their, they do their thing with internal investigations. So, like, they're they're the internal yeah. internal police force. They also conduct yeah, like, the FBI. Yeah, yeah, they're right. the FBI. Yeah. One of the FBI. Yeah, exactly. Do you think there's any relevance to you know at the beginning, in episode one and two, they had the whole thing with those. I forget what planet they're from, but they're tracking Andor to kill him, basically, or take him down. Um, do you think that was like re- relevant at all, or was that just to bring in the ISB? Um, yeah, Blake, you want to try and answer that? I think it was also to show that the Empire hasn't taken over policing everywhere yet, and they showed this failure we saw in this episode that they used this failure as an excuse to, I guess finish the stranglehold to take full control because it was strange that we saw local cops mm-hmm. and then whenever we see in the films even tattooing and everything right there's stormtroopers everywhere sand troopers right, so right i think this is the point where the empire is going to full force their own police force throughout the whole galaxy because when we play games right. and stuff you never you're always fighting against the empire mm-hmm. there's never local guys right so, yeah it's never the corporate authority or whatever right yeah um, and do you guys is, think those local the local police are going to become making their way back into the show at all, or do you think that's going to be it that we're going to see them? The main guy for sure. I uh, the rest of them probably not unless we go back to the planet. I, I have a feeling right. that that him and the officer that we we're just introduced to in the ISP are going to make consistent returns. And uh, I, have a, I have a bit of a theory that I'm going to kind of present at the end. But um, so in this ISP meeting room, which is pretty cool to witness. Uh, there's a few kind of verbal cameos again. Uh, Ryloth is brought up in the meeting. Um, we know from both Clone Wars and the Bad Batch that the Twi'leks have always opposed any occupation to their planet. They've always been a very kind of uh, we don't want you here sort of you know group of people. Uh, and uh, they've been very clear about that. And Cham uh, Sindula, who is uh, the father of Hera Sindula from Star Wars Rebels, um, he plays kind of a very active role in fighting Imperial forces on Ryloth. So I thought it was yeah. a very interesting little kind of, if you want to call it a quip or a little nod, I guess, to the constant uh, the constant rough that they have to deal with, with 
Yeah, Ryloth, Ryloth's right? always been rough though, right? Because yeah. Ryloth have always had to fight because their people are always taken as slaves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're uh, um, they're used and abused <laughs> as far as a mm-hmm. as far as a group of people goes, uh, for sure. Uh, Scarif has also mentioned in the meeting uh, that it has an increased construction of import of material. Uh, this potentially could be a little nod to the construction of the Citadel that we see in Rogue One, the one that they have to steal the planet of the Death Star from. Um, it could also be a little nod to perhaps some uh, uh, planetary construction of the shields orbiting the, the, the planet, uh, which is something that was new to Rogue One. We'd never seen that before, uh, like a shield mm-hmm. kind of blockading like a whole planet. Uh, so, which is way more effective than just like a bunch of ships surrounding it from Phantom Menace. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. technology has definitely kind of gotten better at least by the days of the Empire. It's probably a similar shield tech to what they use uh, to protect the Death Star. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah, which is why they they keep the the shield generator kind of on a remote destination, I guess, extra secure. Um, and. Uh, did you guys notice the, uh, the so the down payment, um, the down payment that Luthen gives to Andor? He calls it a Kuwati signet made of blue kyber skystone from the ancient world. And he said it celebrates the uprising of the Rakatan invaders. Yeah. This is I a Kotor reference. Yeah, I, was, I noticed that yeah. as Kotor reference. This really obscure race from the first Kotor game, which were super force sensitive race that conquered the entire galaxy. And then uh, they, they all, the, the whole uh, empire fell to the dark side. And so basically all became Sith. And then it got to a point where um, I can't exactly recall why it happened, but they got to a point where they actually lost their connection to the force and then their empire fell, but they were the ones who created the star forge which is what the Sith used to actually uh, create their, their their fleet for the the Sith Wars, right? Yeah, that's what caused like the Sith's kind of civil war, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, the, it was a cool little uh, little little nod, I guess, to to that. Which which, as far as, as far as my knowledge goes, is kind of the first Kotor reference that they've had in like the Disney kind of era. You know, which is a which is a huge step forward because, um, as we know, the High Republic has kind of been this continuous thing of building out kind of this new story for the for the, the pre prior to the films, right? Uh, so it was a bit it was a bit of a bold decision to kind of go that far and make a Kotor reference, but mm. um, yeah, they're also the species that in the EU first uh, developed uh, hyperspace technology, so uh, that was also kind of like like a little all all within like the the span of talking about this tiny little necklace, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, wow, yeah, that's, that's kind of neat. Um, that's the thing is like star Wars, especially the EU, it has such a rich story background yeah. that something small like, like that can just canonize like large chunks of story. Mm. So. Yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, and so that, that race, if, if it holds true to the, to KOTOR is, is they're extinct. Yeah, like they, the last of them were trapped on the Star Forge, and the Star Forge was blown up. So, much like the Death Star, right? So, the Star Forge was like a, a, a was it a planetary killing weapon? No, or, what uh, it was, it's it like a space station that could mass produce like 
ships and armor and like oh blasters. right 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 it's like it's yeah. like forges like materials and stuff right right and it's completely um like the energy it used to to fuel was entirely the force yeah 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 that's where things get kind of like really ancient and weird and you know yeah uh, kind of almost doesn't quite fit into like the canon of yeah what you'd think and is it, possible and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was located just beyond the outer rim <laughs> like everything right <laughs> exactly like everything's in the outer rim like what what's in the middle yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the neighbor was actually snoke <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man snoke's lab um andor is brought on as an extra in the team that's going to steal the quarterly payment worth of an entire sector of imperial space um and uh, he chooses the name clem uh which uh as a code name when he's introduced to this rebel oh, i thought i said glenn clem so sorry long. yeah clem <laughs> hey glenn <laughs> hey glenn that's because he likes or- oranges clementine oranges that's oh, <laughs> yeah. the reason i think the uh well the real reason is actually because his adoptive father is named clem uh so i thought that was kind of a neat little little nod i guess like you know it's like hey come up with the name and he just kind of took his father's name so in the moment um and uh, we we've seen his adoptive father before he was in the flashback sequences when he was like a young kid uh he was the guy that was in the, the party of three if you count the droid um, and then uh, there's also uh, Deputy Inspector Karn effectively dismantled the corporate authority and the Empire moves in due to his incompetence. Uh, not to mention he's fired and he actually is told to go home. He goes home to Coruscant, uh, which, as my guess in last week's podcast episode, kind of prevails here and suspecting that he's from, you know, the... I don't know the 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 the, pl- the place, right? The capital, I guess. Like really, uh, kind yeah. of like prestigious. Uh, family. It didn't seem to be a nice part, though. No, yeah, it was kind of on the lower levels, but I guess I I guess it's kind of like I don't know. I, I guess if anyone lives on a Coruscant and owns a place, uh, I guess kind of you're doing better than most people in the galaxy, you know, not moisture farming or uh, shepherding was- or whatever. So. True. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I found it interesting though, just the design they went with, because to me it looked like so in like Tokyo, Japan, when they mass produced oh, yeah, after for sure. the after the war, they mass produced all these giant concrete buildings and apartments and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it looked like to me. Like there's just it's just completely industrial concrete. There's really there's there's no extravagance. It was just completely utilitarian because they just needed to make stuff. And that's right. To me, at least the exterior of the building and going up the stairs and going, approaching the door, that's what it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit more of like a middle class kind of neighborhood, I guess. Uh, possibly even, I don't want to say like a poor neighborhood, just because I know that that would straight up be like the underworld, like the lower levels. Like that's yeah. when you get all that scum and villainy like kind of neighborhood. Low, low middle class. I'm wondering if yeah. his mom was almost like almost like a retirement home facility sort of thing. Yeah, maybe. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's why she's locked up because he's not supposed to be there due to age restrictions. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that he puts his bags down next Can't to the door. It's fifty-five plus. Yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed that he puts his bags down next to the door, and then you know they have their kind of slap hug moment, and then he goes and in, he and shuts him. the door. Yeah, the bags are just like yeah, left right outside. <laughs> like, dude, don't forget your luggage. Like. <laughs> Now, that'd be funny if the camera like panned out wide and that woman who was like eavesdropping like wraps the bags and like leaves. Yeah, scurries away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah. Awesome. 
Um, so uh, Luthen's transformation. Uh, we get into spy mode with his hidden wall in the ship. He puts on the wig, puts on the rings, puts on the robe. You know, he's just like, we see this character transform in front of our very eyes, who's like known to be this very rigid and kind of strict and, and uh, I don't know what you would call. I mean, like, you know, he's all about business, right? Uh, and uh, we see him kind of put on this, almost like this invisible mask. And I, I have a hard time describing exactly like how that all pans out. But, but it, you know, he, we just see him turn into somebody else, like, like right there. And that yeah. was like, wow, that's that amazing. Was cool. Yeah, um, it was really I cool. I really like that they took the time in the scene to have him like practice getting back into character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. that. that was very spy movie style. You know, like that's the kind of thing that we would see in a movie about spies, you know, dressing up, putting on a costume, you know, trying to blend in, whatever, right? Like uh, not quite like the gear up scene, the classic, like, you know, grabbing all the pieces of tech and weaponry and stuff like that. But I mean, really just him kind of taking on this persona that is the only thing that kind of like sells him in that world, right? Like he's going to uh, the heart of the empire, which is pretty scary. Like some people don't even go there just because it's Coruscant. It's like, you yeah. know, it's where the emperor Security, lives. Security, <laughs> cameras, everything. It yeah. Be unreal, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, the, the, the weight of him entering that system and stuff, you know, it's like, it's not quite a big deal. Like, you know, if you, unless you really start to kind of digest the, uh, uh, the meaning of him going there is constantly a threat. And when he gets there and he, and he, Mon Mothma comes in, uh, into his shop, shall we call it? It's probably, you know, it's just a front for him to conduct business with, uh, the senators and whoever else on course on, uh, for the rebellion. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, we see a conversation which, uh, she reveals to Luthen that she wants to bring someone new into the circle, which I assume means kind of the higher ups of, of the, the rebellion. And uh, he complains that there's not enough money flow for distribution. And she clearly looks troubled by all of like the spies, you know, there's new staff at the bank. Her driver has been replaced. There's a new staff. Yeah. And there's a new spy in the Senate. She says every day. And she's like, mm. you know, she's kind of the one that's in like the heat every hour of every day, you know, and uh, to me, I was like, wow, yeah, and, like, no, no wonder, like, he straps on this costume and kind of gets into character and stuff like that to blend in because, you know, if he doesn't, you know, people are kind of going to be on him, right? So uh, mm. I, I thought that was really great. Like, the whole kind of, like, anxiety kind of moment of, of, that, of that conversation and who's listening, who's watching kind of thing. It just kind of, the messages came across really, really well. Uh, especially when you see Mon Mothma's face in the speeder when she flies away. I was like, wow, like she is stressed, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Even like her husband's putting on a house party and she's just like pissed off about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. want to talk to those scum. <laughs> <laughs> Sit me on the far end of the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also love the fact that, again, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but we see like a really clear like hierarchy now within this early rebellion. Um, I really love the fact that we're seeing we're, that we're seeing that. I know that's something that you really liked about this episode too, Blake. 
seeing like the uh, the origins of the rebellion come together like the like, hierarchy like yeah. we see like the the top leadership like the whole ring at the top and then kind of it works its way down like people are on a need for no base need to know basis and, oh yeah because you know, everything's got to be so secretive right yeah they can't do anything out in the open yeah yeah exactly and that's why like it's, it does seem smart that the only thing that they could do was to have it super segregated for most of it. So the empire thought they were just local rebels and not one giant uh, rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of fans are probably happy that in Luthen's shop, uh, he is selling, uh, he, he sells a lot of vintage high-end relics and collectibles of history and art and Pretty much every There's kind of one like, thing that very much caught my eye. I'm wondering if you know what it is. Yeah, yeah the uh, the the Lord Starkiller suit yeah, from the Force man. Unleashed. Yeah, I was like, that's right. Wow, that's I cool. saw the helmet. I think I don't know if the rest of it is. In fact, I know it's not. It's been altered a little. Bit. Yeah. Oh, the helmet that is exactly the Force Unleashed Sith Edition, the original Force Unleashed game. Yeah. Uh, the helmet he gets when so it's it's like a even the game itself was not canon. It was like alternate universe where you kill Darth Vader and you become Darth Vader as Starkiller, and that's the helmet he wears. Yeah, it's very. The, like, which, which helmet is this? Is this the one that looks like a Spartan helmet? It's is so. If you type in mm. Darth Starkiller into Google, it'll come up with a costume that he wears in a expansion for the game, uh, in in kind of this weird alternate reality in which he kills Darth Vader and he uh, effectively becomes the new. Sith apprentice to the emperor and uh he he wears that helmet with that kind of T visor and like the um uh, the very uh Bosch looking mouthpiece uh with the side flaring bits on the helmet uh very smooth top uh almost looks like kind of an offshoot of a Mandalorian helmet in a way and then he's also got this like chest piece but it's like T visor yeah yeah I noticed they changed the helmet though they put on some big huge kind of uh, what looked like a kind of like an Aztec-y sort of like big long sticks coming out the back, and then uh, they also gave him a new uh, a new shoulder uh, pauldron uh, is the word I'm looking for. Uh, which yeah, that, looks, that's a that's a clone pauldron. Yeah, yeah, look, definitely looked like a clone pauldron to me. Um, so th- there was a bunch of garments in there that was like, oh, that's so cool. We even saw some Mandalorian armor sitting on the table uh, as well yep. in front of that. Uh, so a lot of people who'd seen Mandalorian probably recognized that right away. Uh, but I, I thought it was a pretty cool shop. Um, definitely, definitely thought it was a pretty neat kind of business, I guess, for him to have, you know, sell things that only high end people would go into like senators, right? People that he'd be mm-hmm. dealing with and made sense for him to have a business in which he actually has a reason to talk to these people instead of just showing up at their house, just dressed like a fancy friend and, mysteriously <laughs> disappears right like there's like oh he's got an alibi he's got like a really reasonable alibi so yeah really cool stuff um before i go any further is there anything you guys wanted to go over before uh before i kind of hit the near end here if i missed anything you want to talk about i don't think so on my end i'm just going through now and looking at all the different things yeah it's uh, i only watched episode there. once so mm, yeah uh, oh, 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 I just spotted something. Oh, yeah. So I at uh, what's the timestamp here? 21 minutes, 19 seconds. Far left side of the screen, 
there is a Gungan shield. Oh, cool. Like okay. From Phantom Menace. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, I, I guess that's kind of a piece of history. Maybe, uh, as we know, uh, maybe they were wiped out. <laughs> 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 maybe it's a relic of a, not around. a species no more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the Gungans are still around, but, you know. Definitely, uh, definitely not many. I don't believe the Empire is very kind to them. <laughs> no, likely not. No. So um, we're told in the Rebel mission briefing that the Empire came to uh, Aldani 13 years prior and began setting up shop, doing their thing. Uh, we've seen patterns like this before on other planets, including Lothal from Star Wars Rebels. It's a pattern that's just kind of consistent with how the Empire does things. They just show up and just start doing their business. They start mining something. They start st setting up a camp, a base, yeah, strip a mining. dam, yeah. whatever, right? Like, they, 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 there's no reason for what they do. They just kind of come in, take your planet, and that's it, right? Um, it's just, uh, I guess it was just kind of like the funny thing that, that I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like, sounds like the Empire. Um, and if any one of you guys are wondering why Skeen looks so familiar, uh, the actor's name is Eben Moss uh, Backratch, if I'm pr pronouncing that correctly. He plays Just David. The Game of Thrones guy. He plays David Lieberman in The Punisher. Uh, this is the guy in the Rebel Cell who is uh, he's oh, got okay. the really bright blue eyes and kind of the the, the buzz cut. Uh, yeah, yeah. He plays David Lieberman in The Punisher. I recognized him from somewhere and I couldn't quite pin it. And uh, and more recently, I saw that show for the second time because I love the the ne the Marvel Netflix series. And, uh, and I was like, I know that guy from somewhere, like, but I can't quite place. Like, I haven't seen him in a movie, you know, that I've seen or whatever recently. Like, like, what is it? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. He plays that, that, like that guy in, in the show. So, uh, if any of you are wondering who he was, like, <laughs> um, the last thing that I have to bring up here is Dedra, uh, big subject kind of adds into that theory I brought up earlier, uh, uh, which is the theory I'm about to present gets denied uh, in her request to access the device that was stolen and reported on Ferrix, the thing that Andor was trying to sell to Luthen. Um, she's uh, an Imperial story, an Imperial version of the story that ex-Deputy Inspector Karn goes through. They both are very loyal to what they're doing, and they're both denied by their superiors uh, to do their job correctly. You know what I mean? It's like it's like this weird yeah. kind of parallel happening. We got this dude from the corporate authority who wants to investigate the murder of two of his coworkers, and his boss basically says, "Leave it. Come up with an excuse. Just don't bother." Right? And then the same thing happens in the ISB. Like this, this uh, um, uh, Dedra uh, left tenant. I think her her. Uh, position was um is is um you know essentially she's she's supposed to stick to her sector and she's looking for a reason to investigate something that she's been i guess on the the trail for and and it happens to cross with someone else's sector and uh as soon as she kind of infers that that it, she has jurisdictional access uh jurisdictional access it, it, they shut her down and i was like What's going on here? Like, like this is obviously intentional that these two people have these stories that line up perfectly, you know? Mm. Uh, so I have a theory that we're going to see a I lot thought, more of them. I thought it was a lot of showing just the politics was the idea. 
yeah, the bureaucracy, just yeah. trying to people just trying to do their work. But there's so much politics and stuff that just get shut down for really no reason other than other people being dicks. Yeah, and it's not like they're not doing the job. Like they're they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's just it's just I find it very ironic that these two different characters have such similar similar um i don't know aspirations whatever you want to call it like you know that they, they just have a course on now maybe they'll meet at a pub and they'll yeah yeah like, no totally ads and complain together make their yeah, own make the most sense and yeah it would be weird for them to do all this bringing up these characters and then just do nothing with it other than set up more story like mm-hmm. yeah hopefully we see something out of it yeah, and Karn just went back to Coruscant, right? So like they're on the same planet now. So I feel like they're gonna they're gonna eventually come like cross paths or something like that. Maybe 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 this person in the ISP hires Karn to kind of go rogue and like act as her unofficial I don't know, liaison or whatever you want to call it, like her her kind of like her own kind of agent to do what she's not officially supposed to do. And maybe that's how we're going to kind of follow the Empire in this story and how they're kind of on the trail of Andor, but like not quite officially, right? Um, so that's going to be very interesting. I think we're going to definitely see a lot more of these characters. And uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think? I mean, uh, the ending of this episode was kind of just sudden. You know, for me, I was like ready to sit there for another hour and see how this whole heist pulls off. But uh, yeah. it just kind of yeah. cuts to black. And I was like, man <laughs> yeah you make your way to week yeah what's going on with that <laughs> uh, cliffhangers man yeah it takes me back to the 90s yeah yeah no kidding uh, that, that um that one bad guy i guess you could call him uh i didn't grab his name you know the, the guy that's like the leader of the people in the imperial place here what's his name uh oh the uh yeah the guy from game of thrones the, yeah, uh, I feel like that guy can only play a villain. He just yeah. plays a villain so well, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, the 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 kind of the the um the boss of the ISB or whatever his name. Yeah, is. Yeah, the uh, general at it, whatever he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I totally forget his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You did a great that's job. Just a Harris voice, and like that's the guy. Harris. Yeah. Harris. What's his name? Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, sorry. What? I, I think I met. Mike cut out for just a sec. What did you say? Oh, okay. No, I don't know his name, but like as soon as I, I oh, as soon as I heard his voice, that's what I said. Oh, gotcha. Um, I knew it was the guy from Game of Thrones, just so iconic. Right. But um, yeah, I know he's a, yeah does a good job, plays a good villain. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to next week a lot. Uh, of course, uh, uh, that's going to be uh, definitely more of an action-packed episode. Uh, mm-hmm. To go, to go back very briefly to kind of how we opened up by saying uh, saying what we liked about this one, I, I think I'd kind of kind of skipped over uh, what I liked about it. Um, it's in j- just in summary. I mean, I, I love kind of like you, Blake, like I love the, the, the pace of this show compared to some of the other shows that we've seen, which only have uh, eight episodes, maybe a little more. Right. And uh, I just thought to myself, like, this is, it's slow. It's a, it's a slow pace. The first two episodes are quite, a build up, you know, but it really kind of really kind of gets you there. And I feel like uh as the show kind of gets going, it's it's the kind of show that this pace really fits the the story. You know, there's nothing um 
I don't want to just sit down and see another action-packed Star Wars episode, right? Like, I just don't, I don't no. want to do that every week. If I wanted to do that every week, I would go and sit down and watch another season of The Bad Batch or something, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and, like, and if you're going to do which, what we're getting, and I've, I've wanted for a long time, and that's seeing a window into the, the people of the galaxy mm-hmm. who, in their lives, and why they're driven to join the Rebellion in the first place. Yeah, for sure. And we're seeing a lot of that, right? And and as each episode goes by, I think we're we're being given a new perspective on or a, another layer kind of on the cake, I guess, like kind of as to why Andor's fighting, how long he's been fighting. And, you know, we're going to get more details about his past, I think, as time goes by. But um, really just kind of what drives these people, you know, like why, why is uh, this is really underground right now still. So this is not like a a faction that someone could just kind of go, boom, I'm going to join the rebellion. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. this is a thing that's like, if these, this is, uh, uh, it's people that want revenge and people yeah. that have nothing left. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, what do you call it when you betray your own country? Uh, uh treason, treason. Yeah. yeah it's, it. it's treason. What all these people, they're committing treason. Right. And, and so, like, it's a it's a very kind of risky thing for anyone to be doing at this point in time. And, um, and how do you so, not have the button ready to go for that, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's treason. It's treason. Ben. Ben. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the word escaped my brain. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, this party's over. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> I got that one ready to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's just a, a new type of storytelling. And I feel like it's very unconventional, but it's also very Star Wars. And I think it's the kind of show that so far, anyone who hasn't liked any Star Wars show so far at all, or any movie, might actually like this show. You know, it's like, it's so different that it's also recommendable. And it's also so different in a good way, right? It's not like, it's not so different like how I felt about some of the movies so far in which I've just been like, that. this doesn't quite feel like Star Wars. You know, it feels like a high budget fan film. Um, this actually does feel very much in the universe and part of that continuity and seeing familiar faces with new places and new things, which is cool. And I like that kind of stuff. And it's, it's a new kind of layer of storytelling in which we've never really had before. Like this is really getting into the politics of, of the rebellion and stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm loving that cool. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good balance of like new stuff as well as, I don't know, still like familiar continuity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys, have I had a gripe. Yeah, go ahead. I had a gripe I wanted to complain about. So when we met the, the rebels, they're all carrying just, Oh, like the machine guns, the machine guns. Yeah, yeah. They're not even blasters. Yeah, like yeah, just, yeah. Earth, those are Earth, like, modern guns. Yeah, how could I Why is it modern? The... Like, they're 1950 AK-47s, but still. I don't, I don't know how I missed that. But, yeah, we talked about that in our uh, trailer breakdown a little while about, uh, a little while back. And, um, yeah, this is the episode that we finally see the group that they belong to. Um, yeah, we didn't see them in action, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious in the next episode as to like how they fire because yeah, they look just like modern weaponry with a little bit of a yeah, twist. Like, yeah, it bothers me because everything else we've seen in Star Wars is like modified to like, even if, if it, a lot of it's based on real weapons, a lot of the stuff yeah. from the original trilogy, there was all World War II stuff. 
but they they add extra pieces to make it look more sci-fi mm-hmm. and this they didn't do anything it was just a blank ak-47 and to me <laughs> that just took me completely out of like the experience gotcha. it, it broke my immersion <laughs> i feel like their their exit plan also once they get the money or the credits isn't gonna work you know like they're right. they're waiting for like this natural thing in the sky to occur that's going to help them escape like i don't think that's yeah. going to happen something's going to go down yeah yeah i, I feel a brewing i i i, I totally I get know. to me it feels like a solo moment where they're going to not almost not make it but they make it the very last second and then all the tie fighters are going to get hit and blow up <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know it's we'll, a good guess we'll yeah. uh we'll see a they, uh a mandalorian hopefully they brought where hopefully they brought their Quaxium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see a Mandalorian moment where some ship just swoops in a last minute, just saves them from the two ties or whatever pursuing, and you know, no, yeah. That. yeah. Um, now this one's definitely less fantasy than what we've seen before um, in other shows and in the classic Star Wars genre, right? This is much more, much more gritty, much more dark, much more real. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the next one, and I'm looking yeah. forward to chatting with you guys. Uh, so. We will see you guys in the next one. Cool. Sounds good. See you later. Thanks for having me. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right. And to those of you tuning in at home, thank you so much for joining us on Star Wars Escape Pod, another after show for Andor. And uh, we're really looking forward to the next episode uh, coming out next Wednesday. So uh, keep those devices tuned in to Star Wars Escape Pod. And uh, we got one more message. Star Wars Escape Pod has just been intercepted by the Separatist Alliance. If you are tuning in right now, don't go anywhere. Leave a review and make it a good one. That's right, Venturous. Leave a good review and uh, share this podcast with a friend. You know, we always love to see our uh, audience members return for another episode of Star Wars Escape Pod. If you want to leave us a voicemail, go ahead. Link is in the description down below. And uh, join the Discord. It's kind of a nice little utility. There's some Star Wars channels in there. You're not going to miss a video. You're not going to miss a piece of news from the Twitter, anything like that. It's all compiled in RSS feeds. And uh, hopefully if we get enough people, I might actually expand to that thing. But for now, it's just a useful little little uh, interactive business card let's call it uh also follow us on the twitter at SWScape podcast as well as the instagram at SWScape podcast just get notified for new podcast episode releases and you can always send us an email at SWScape podcast at gmail.com you know where to find that it's in the description and uh that being said darian brought it up earlier but we're going to be dropping a mon mothma what happened episode probably after andor wraps up which uh we're all looking forward to seeing the finale, which overlaps with the premiere of Tales of the Jedi. So, lots to look forward to. And we will see you in the next one. May the Force be with you guys.